Hello listeners, welcome to another Geeky On podcast. Uh, this week's episode, I chatted with Cena Grace. Uh, Cena's a super cool dude. He's an illustrator and writer over at Image Comics. Um, I actually met Cena at uh, Fan Expo last year. Um, chatted with him a bit or whatever. And uh, so anyway, when I started doing this podcast, I reached out to him and said, Hey, how would you feel about doing it? And uh, he was super cool about it. He was completely uh, accommodating and we figured it out. But... Um, what makes this podcast a little different is I actually had to do it by Skype. Um, so there are a few kinks. I did my best to make sure it sounded as good as possible, which uh, took a surprising amount of work. But I hope you all appreciate it, and I hope it sounds good. Um, the other big news is that we have a Facebook page up and running. Uh, yeah, you can find it at facebook.com slash geekyon. And to kick it off, we're doing something pretty cool. We're actually having a contest. So... Over the next week, we're going to be giving away a copy of the Humble Bundle 11. For those of you not aware, Humble Bundle is actually a charity drive uh, where indie games are offered uh, to raise money. There's really great stuff. And the bundle includes some really great games. It's got Fez, Monaco, What Yours Is Mine, uh, Antichamber, Gianna Sisters, Starseed Pilgrim, Beat Buddy, Tale of the Guardians, The Swapper, Dust, and Elysian Tale, and Guacamelee. Uh, Guacamelee actually coming from the Toronto-based studio Drinkbox, which uh, includes a friend of ours from the, uh, for the podcast, uh, Jason Canham. Um, and we hope to have him on actually pretty soon. Uh, yeah, I was talking to him a week or so ago, and he's cool about it. We just got to figure out a time when, when the schedule works for us. Anyway, uh, the deal for the contest is like the Facebook page, share the Facebook page, and you'll be eligible. Uh, so those who spread the word uh, are qualified, and we're going to pick a winner at random, and it'll be announced or not announced, uh, you know, based on the winner's preference, I guess, uh, next Saturday. So with all, that in, with all that said, all that news out there, uh, let's kick it over to the podcast with Cena Grace. said you were drawing earlier this morning i i was i am i'm always drawing <laughs> yeah yeah i guess so i mean you've got a few different projects on the go right yeah it, it was weird i i said yes to to too many things in 2013 so even though we're only in february right now i've just been like non-stop drawing and writing every day which is good it's a very good thing but uh it's a bit overwhelming also like you think january is a quiet month and it turned out to be my most hectic yet well that's i mean that's a good problem to have right uh, at least you're you're working that's that's always a nice thing but i didn't actually realize that you wrote as well can you talk about that oh, i'm curious where are you writing yeah um well with writing on Burn the Orphanage, uh, the Image comic series that I do with my buddy Daniel Friedman, 
Uh, we both write it together, and the process. Oh. Of, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and the and the I, process. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, we're interrupting. Yeah, Starfish. I, I just feel like a I feel like a a dummy here because I just like flipped open my copy and saw that it says co-writer and artist. I'm like, okay, well, I should have done my research on that or just been a little bit more, I guess, aware because, man, yeah. Well, people treat so I guess it, you're writing that. Yeah, yeah, well, people treat it sort of like the, you know, the Battle Chasers and Fathom thing where it's like, oh, the, the artist, even though he has a writing credit, he just draws it, you know, and, and not many people know exactly what the breakdown is. So, no, don't feel like a dummy at all. <laughs> um, but with the process in Burn the Orphanage, it's, uh, like I will lay out the story pages in my sketchbook, um, show Daniel, talk about what goes on, sort of Marvel method style, and then I'll right. draw the page knowing what I want to do. And, and then when we get closer to the end of the book, I'll, I'll go in and do a first draft of the script, share that with Daniel. He'll do a pass and, and we'll sort of go back and forth until we're both happy. Um, with the newest issue, number three, that comes out in March, mm -hmm. uh, Daniel actually took on a lot more and even handled uh, writing an entire sequence. And, and so it's really good. The trust is changing and, and the book is just organically growing into something way cooler than either of us expected. That's awesome. Uh, that's, yeah, that's a really collaborative writing uh, sort of process, which, I mean, it's different with any sort of any writing team, especially when it's a like a collaborative writing uh, experience, but that sounds actually, um, that seems pretty evenly balanced, and it sounds like, yeah, I guess you guys are sort of finding uh, the balance more as you go along, too. Yeah, we're, you know, we're figuring it out as we go along. Daniel has worked with other people, you know, writer-artist types like Tom Coker, and so he's certainly very good at, at kind of balancing respect and responsibility between the both of us. And that is, uh, and that is something I've also learned, you know, when I was drawing the little depressed boy, I was working with a writer who was open to suggestions and opinions, you know, at the end of the day, it was yeah. his book, but you know, he always wanted me to, to kind of like read, you know, offer my thoughts, you know, throw as many bad ideas as possible. So he knew which one was the right one within him. Um, it's a, it's a lot of fun actually comic books. When you're with the right writer and if you're with the, when you're with the right artist, it's it's a it's a great creative process. Yeah, and that's actually something I definitely want to touch on as well with with you is that you've got a couple of different sort of um, you know teams that you've worked on now, or like you've collaborated with a couple of different people now. Um, and I am curious about that sort of how that changes and also even how you sort of come into that because I mean comics is sort of like it's a it's sort of an intimate creative process you're really only working with you know maybe an, another writer and like an editor uh which at image i don't imagine the two hands on with anyway yeah i mean you know at image it's it's it's, it's up to you if you want editorial you know you have to seek out someone like that but they have they have lots of resources and assets and a great production staff and, and an awesome marketing team um and and yeah you're right it's you know if you look at a lot of comic books today the credits are getting smaller and smaller. You know, I think um, we're absorbing a lot of interesting and valuable aspects from, you know, the indie cartoonist culture, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Where, where kind of one person is doing everything or, you know, one or two people are doing everything. And, and there's a lot more trust for those kinds of minds to do 
bigger concepts, bigger projects, and, and more, I hate this word, but more mainstream, you know, comic books. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's totally awesome, you know. It, it's great that a guy like Alishcott, who makes some really fucking weird books, and I say that with, with a lot of love to him, but it's great that he makes some really weird books, and the big two look at him and say, okay, like, bring that over here. See what you can do over here. And yeah, that's right. He's on, um, was it Secret Avengers now? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, yeah, he, he did some weird uh, stuff at DC, too. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, well, yeah, it's funny. I, I haven't... I don't haven't read too much of his stuff, but he's a name that there's a lot of buzz around, and it's just funny because uh, one of the I actually know one of the artists he works with because he's from around here, Michael Walsh. Uh, oh yeah, he's a he's an awesome dude. Yeah, he's just one of the nicest guys, and he's also a fantastic illustrator. Man, he's doing great stuff. And even uh, and even he's now at Marvel, right? You know, it's it's that's it's, right. He's and, working uh, on it with him. Yeah, yeah, and it's like it's funny because him and him and Ed Brisson are both sort of guys who have no you know magic wand they have no secret trick on how to break into comics they were both just super hard workers and incredibly dedicated and now they're reaping the benefits so i'm really That's happy it, right? for both of them yeah. yeah and they're canadian Same so here. that helps yeah yeah exactly right i mean it's always happy it, like it's always a nice thing when uh you see like sort of especially for people in, in the toronto area when you see local guys kind of break out and get into the the mainstream books and stuff because right now there's like there's a handful of guys that are doing it um and ladies uh but it's it's like they there's so it's it's sort of a weird divide there aren't that many people that are just sort of getting those early like first breaks right now it just seems like well and maybe i'm wrong about that but it seems to me that there are guys that are like really at the top of their game guys like ramon perez or francis manipole um you know like they're really doing high level work or whatever for the big two um and then there are guys that are kind of really working hard as as indie artists uh that are trying to kind of break in and yeah those guys ed and, and uh michael are both guys that are like they're getting their shot now which is really good to see yeah, I agree. It's I mean, I think it's a spectrum too. There you know, there's mm -hmm. all kinds of ways to break in and get attention and um, yeah, suffice to say we can thank the internet for again, you know, let's just keep talking about Ed and Michael this whole time. Um, but you know, <laughs> yeah. let's talk and Riley Rosmo, so on and so forth and you know, Francis, uh, Marcus Toe, Ramon, all those guys. It's it's great that, you know, you can set up on DeviantArt or Instagram and build your own mini following and find new ways to get a lot of editors' attention, you know, with very little effort on your end. You just have to do the work, and that is awesome. The internet makes it so all you have to do is, like, the work, promote yourself, and uh, with any luck, you might get someone's attention. You don't have to do the, like, uh, waiting in line to get your portfolio read by an yeah. editor anymore. <laughs> that, that painful review process of having to get, you know, shredded by someone at a convention about, your, like, you know, for your artwork. Uh, that's true, actually. And, and what I've seen a lot of is that, you know, a lot of guys are, they're just building up sort of a, an internal audience just online, whether through, like, their own stuff through a webcomic or something like that. And that garners a lot of attention from uh, the bigger publishers. Um, yeah, even especially even, like, a, an image, too. Like, you know, if you can show them that you've got a readership or like people that are interested in your work already, you know, you're doing some of their work for them. I, th I think anyway, and that seems to be a, a compelling uh, argument for them to actually bring you on. 
Yeah, I mean, in my in my brief experience as an editor, I know that the sort of kind of common mentality that a lot of publishers were looking for in new talent was, can you can you do the work? Like, can you make it happen? And you know, it's it's definitely about the talent, but there was sort of this incentive for creators to have actually like self-published and made a comic and done, you know, the convention mm-hmm. circuit. Not on a like submissions level, but just on a like, okay, you see how hard it is to make a comic. You've you've worn all the hats. Um, yeah. You know, good work. Now 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 we know you can handle it. Let's uh, take some of that away so you can focus on the one thing we hire you for. So it, it, that's definitely part of it too. There's, yeah, it's a whole spectrum. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's that's a good point. I mean, ultimately, it comes down to you need to you need to show them that you have the, the ability to do the work and the drive to actually, you know, sort of st- stick with it and, and keep doing it. Um, I'm actually kind of curious, uh, what was your experience actually getting getting on board with, uh, you know, a company like Image? Uh, sort of how did you catch their attention? Was it with uh, the, the help of, of Stephen, uh, Stephen Trubel, that got you on board there? Or what, did you get paired up with, like, did you guys kind of get paired up when you started the book? Oh yeah, that's a well. That's two stories, and I can I can try and tell them as succinctly and uh, as connected as possible. I'll answer the last question first. I I got involved on the little depressed boy back in college. I found Struble, uh, Sean Steven Struble, through a mutual friend, our our now editor Nick Brandt, and we you know we connected. I hired him to color some covers for my first indie comic series that I was self publishing. And, you know, we became friends and he, you know, he started saying like, hey, I'm doing this webcomic. Like, if you do a few strips for me, I'll color a few things for you for free. And then that turned into me saying like, hey, I <laughs> he kept giving me these strips that were like really self-contained, insular, like poems, basically, you know, of a little <laughs> depressed boy just sort of walking, <laughs> you know, on a snowy street, feeling sad for himself. And I said, come on, you've got to give me, like, give me some cool girls to draw. Give me something fun to draw. I love drawing. I love drawing kind of, like, you know, fashion and um, really hip-looking, hipstery girls. And what? he goes, well, I've got a girl, but it's a longer story. And I, and I was like, how long? And he's like, uh, four issues. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and at that point, I'd only done, like, one page here, two pages there. So I said yes. And, and we were putting that online through Shadowline's web division um or web i don't re- i don't really remember how that worked and oh, wow. yeah and Shadowline had first right of refusal and felt that the book ha- didn't have the legs to be in print so you know they they respectfully passed and and i still understand like there was no hard feelings it was definitely like okay we get it you know it's a very subdued book and and Shadowline yeah. is very high concept um, oh yeah, for sure. They, I mean, the books that they do now, they do things like Morning Glories and stuff like that. Really cool, weird stuff. But yeah, I mean, Little Depressed Boy is much more of a sort of personal sort of story, and it's it's a kind yeah. of a more like a character study. Yeah, it's a slice of life book about a ragdoll boy trying to find love. You know what I mean? It's it's <laughs> definitely yeah. So you know, there was never like Jim. I love that guy and respect him so much. So that you know, that was never a thing. Um, and the way we got connected to Image Central was through my experience editing uh, Robert Kirkman's books at Skybound. I, I was able to develop my own relationships 
with some of the people there and and at that point you know back to the topic of like do the work and and you know kind of get it done we had printed you know hard copies of the book of issue one and you know it looked like a real comic book i think we used kablam which is an awesome service it's yeah, yeah. so affordable and <laughs> it's, it's a good cheap way to just get some copies of books right and they do look really good they, well, yeah and that's the thing is like the more professional you look and present yourself the better chance you have and, it, and again it didn't cost a lot of money it cost i think two or three hundred dollars to have a, a you know 100 copies or 150 copies of the book made um and you know also back to ed brisson <laughs> when i met him he had done the same thing the murder books he was printing himself and designing himself and they looked so effing good and i you know and it made him appear like a bigger deal than you know he was or wasn't he just looked yeah. like someone to be taken professionally take to be taken and, seriously um and that's so back so to important little too, right? boy. i'm sorry <laughs> Oh, I was just gonna say that's that's so important too when you're when you're starting out oh, and you're hello. doing it yourself, especially self-publishing. Can you hear me? Are you are you are you still there? Hello. Can you hear me? Oh. Yeah, I can hear you. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a little bit of cutout. Hey, so. can you hear me alright? Yeah, I can do. your I, I can hear you, but you're cutting out a little bit. Uh, let's see. I mean, we can you oh. can edit this, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna. I'll I'll cut that out. It's not a big deal. Okay, but, cool. Um, Are we? Oh, uh, yeah, you're, we're back on sync. Yeah, yeah. You sound you're sounding good now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah, what I was going to say, uh, my what I was saying was that um, with when you're you're self publishing and you're kind of doing it yourself and, and everything, like it's kind of that whole fake it till you make it mentality. You have to really look the part and and look professional to get taken seriously, and in turn, you will become professional and get taken seriously, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's, and and that's a whole other topic, you know, sort of mm-hmm. professionalism and, and how to how to navigate starting out in the industry. But um, yeah, so with Little Depressed Boy, I had a copy, a hard copy of the book, and, and I was able to show some people there and say, you know, trying to find it a home, these people are interested, but I'd rather be here, or can I get some feedback? And yeah, long story short, they they took a chance on, on us, and... They were incredible, you know, to to me and Struble. It was such a small. It's such a small book, and it has such a devout following, but not necessarily the sales, you know, of Saga or The Walking Dead. Yeah. Um, well, what does right? Right, exactly. Like not even Marvel books at this point. <laughs> um, so you know, it's yeah. They were they were incredibly supportive, and that's that's how we got started at Image Comics. And since then, you know, Eric Stevenson has been incredibly supportive and a huge advocate for for me and and a lot of my peers and colleagues and it's been a great experience i don't remember what the first question was anymore though i'm sorry <laughs> that's okay i was asking well it's it's perfect because you kind of partially touched on it while you were answering that um which was how you kind of got into image and you mentioned something about editing for Kirk, robert kirkman and skybound how did that happen that's a crazy gig to land that was, yeah, that was a, I did not realize that that was going to be what it became when, when I was <laughs> interviewing. A, um, Scott Dunbeer over at IDW uh, has known me since I was a, a, comic, or a comic book store clerk uh, in his teens, <laughs> emailing him Promethea fan mail. And, <laughs> and at some point, you know, 
he he always, I didn't think he knew that I had as much experience as I did in comics. He knew like sort of peripherally I self-published and I guess he heard I guess he knew. I guess I told him that I interned at Top Cow at one point when I was in high school. So um Again, you know, this is like I've known this guy almost a decade, and, and one day he emails me saying he knows of a gig in Los Angeles and in, in editing and asks me if I'd like to get back in comics. And, and the joke always goes, I'm like, Did, I didn't know I left comics. Um, <laughs> and, and that's how I got it. Yeah, it was uh, someone asked Scott if he knew anyone looking, and, and here I am. Uh, you know, I, I had that experience, and it was, and it was super fantastic, but I had to sort of, you know, kind of walk away and focus on, on writing and drawing because even though I was getting some comic books out while editing, it was still, um, as you and I discussed before the interview, like it was like a 60 hour work week, you know? Um, yeah. And, and that oh, was, yeah. and that was, I brutal. can imagine that in that sort of, um, or like in that arena doing, you know, editing and stuff like that, it's, it's probably a long week. You have to go through a lot of content, I imagine. Yeah. And, and, and Robert's so hands-on and, and really, cares about everything he puts out so you know we were all kind of like we're all you know when you work for him you're like you're one of his team members and you're 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 there for the count so again it was a lot of it was a lot of love and dedication and and if you're putting that much love and passion into one place you can't really you know put that into another place so I had to just take everything back and and you know devote it all into my comic books (laughs) That, that makes sense. It's funny because yeah, you don't you don't hear a lot of stories of people sort of making that jump from being sort of on the um, I guess the front office side or the the back you know like sort of the behind the scenes side of the publishing industry or the comics industry actually jumping over and then going into writing, going into illustrating. Uh, that's definitely an uncommon path. Most people are the ones that are you know they're going to the conventions, they're getting their artwork looked at by editors and stuff. You were kind of already on the other side. Yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, you know, when I was interviewing for it, I didn't even think it was going to be what it became. You know, I, I was I was familiar with The Walking Dead and and Invincible. I I, I loved Invincible more than The Walking Dead. Um, There's a lot of a lot of people that have followed Kirkman. I think his whole career. A lot of people tend to. Um, I know from my experience, I, I found Invincible to be uh, a more fun book as well. I mean, not that Walking Dead is tons of fun necessarily, but you know, like I enjoyed Invincible a lot as well as like obviously many comic fans. But yeah, Walking Dead's one of those things where man, how does anyone predict that, right? <laughs> exactly, and and you know they Robert. Robert was looking for an editor because the show got greenlit and was in production and he needed someone to pick up the slack and, and he needed someone to do the things that he had been doing. He had been, you know, basically project managing all of his books and he had been handling all of his letter columns and dealing with all the word balloon placements with his letterer and, and he was doing all of this stuff all on his own. That's what Creator wow. of Comics is. It's all hands yeah. on deck, yeah. And, and that is why I... You know, I am utterly in respect of uh, of Robert and everything he does because he's you know he worked so hard and it was all him and and back to back to my best friend Ed Brisson, um, <laughs> he yeah he did all the work himself and yes now he has representation or whatever but when he was doing this it's not like someone came up to him and said here's a ticket to Hollywood here's the golden key like. 
go for it. You know, it was even with The Walking Dead, it, it was picked up and let go so many times by different networks. I don't really remember that story, but yeah, yeah. you know, it's um, it's all a product of, of that guy just putting in the time and making the relationships and and building his fan following all on his own. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Robert Kirkman well, yeah. and Ed Brisson, my best friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of hilarious. Now, I, if I ever get Ed Brisson on this podcast, I'll have you to thank for it without a doubt. Because uh, with you singing all of his praises, now, like, how does he not come on, right? Exactly. Ed, I, you're going to listen to this because I'll, you I'll send you the recording. Get on this. <laughs> That's awesome. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's true. Uh, nothing, especially in comics, nothing is overnight. I mean, everyone everyone that's in the industry that I've ever met has worked so hard and has put so much time in getting to where they where they are that even in a case like Kirkman with The, the Walking Dead, which, you know, to, to someone just seeing the TV series, it seems like an overnight success. But, man, that guy had been doing books for so long before you know he garnered any attention for a tv show and before that he had like you know he was doing invincible and like battle pope and like all these comics it's not like walking dead was his first foray into comics exactly yeah and that's and that's the thing i've been noticing now that burn the orphanage has picked up a larger following for for me and and my uh my doodles um <laughs> it, it, it you have to like re-remind everyone that it's like I have a library, guys. Like I, you know, I've been at this a while, which yeah. is which is great because it's new. It, it's new income, you know, for stuff you've already done. Um, but it's amazing that there is a little bit of a wall between, you know, people looking for new titles and people looking for what's hot. You know, it, there's not. Oh, I, for sure. Yeah, yeah, trying to figure out how to get people to just be more than open-minded and just pick up a book, you know, based on like flipping through it. That's a that's a tough gig. Like, <laughs> that's hard. Oh, tell me about it. I mean, as someone that's like, I'm I'm a huge fan of, you know, the medium, not just comics as a whole, but like, well, not just comics, like superheroes and that, but like, just, you know, visual storytelling, like, you know, through graphic novels and everything. It's, you know, there are so many books that I try and tell people to read. And, you know, I know, like when I was in, when I was in actually, um, I was in an art program, like two over the past two years. And I was trying to get some of these people into comics, which is kind of funny in itself. You'd figure all these artists, they'd be into comics, but not really. Um, but like some of the guys that, was, that were in the class, I, the only things they would touch is things like, uh, you know, Batman or Walking Dead or like, you know, all the mainstream, you know, the big titles that, you know, there's no surprise. And then I'd, you know, refer them to smaller books that like I'm really, you know, that I was really getting into. Um, and they would just be like, oh yeah, maybe, maybe I'll check that out. Like I couldn't even get them to check out Saga, which is, you know, like Saga is not a small book by any means anyway. It's, um, yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. And, and, you know, you, you even face that, like you face that opposition even kind of from within too. There's just, yeah, it's hard. People, I don't know. It's the same way with TV too. It's like, oh, everyone says this show is so good. You know, and I don't, it's just. We gotta all be open-minded, even including yeah. myself. Like, I know True Detectives, or True, yeah, it's True Detectives, plural. True Detective, yeah. No, it's a True Detective. I think. Oh, it's singular. singular? Okay, tight. I think so. Um, I know that show is the bomb. dot com, but <laughs> I have uh, I have not started it yet because I'm just kind of like, ugh, I don't want to like. That's another like eight hours of my life. Yada yada. <laughs> so I, I feel everyone's pain, but we all have to, you know, maybe like one new comic a month or something. Just try. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> 
I think that's that's a really good way to sort of live by. And, and I have to admit that I'm guilty of uh, not even doing that lately just because I haven't had time. So, you know, I've got I've got stuff on my pull list that's falling by the wayside. But, um, you know, it, it is good. Like, that's why I, I love going to conventions for that reason, especially because um, you really get to meet people, you know, that have their own books and they're trying to really promote their and, you know, promote and sell their work. And uh, you get an opportunity to check out stuff that might not necessarily stand out on the racks um, and, and see some really cool stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's, in fact, it was funny when I, when I met you at Fan Expo, um, I didn't even know about Burn the Orphanage until like I saw it at your at your booth. I just knew knew of you from Little Depressed Boy and really really loved that book. Um, so I picked it up when I you know I picked up Burn the Orphanage when I had met you and like I don't know if I would have got that at my at my comic shop. I hope they would have stocked it and I hope they still do. But um, I haven't been in there for a while, so I don't know. But you know if that didn't if I didn't know about that just running into you uh like i may have not even come across it which would have been tragic because that book is so good <laughs> thank you i'll just leave it at that thank you yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no just to, to quickly touch on it that really is like um that's a super fun book and actually that's as good a time as i need to talk about it a bit um where do you guys come up with that concept anyway because it's such a great like you know 90s fighting game sort of throwback concept Sort of, how did that, how did you guys um, sort of birth that? Um, back to, back to me giving advice and, and, and having like very like tried and true opinions. Uh, tried and true, did I say that? Tried and true opinions I, yeah. of, um, of, of comic books and the medium and stuff. That book is a product of just pure friendship. Uh, Daniel and I have known each other since like high school or middle school and, and, we, we used to live real close to each other, so we'd work every day and, and uh, we'd go to concerts together and just talk, 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 talk about all these things that you see in Burnley Orphanage, you know, music, the 90s, video games, fashion, uh, friendship, you know, all, like all this weird kind of uh, fun stuff that two dudes go on about when they're sitting next to each other <laughs> creating other pieces of art. And... Um, <laughs> And the, the line, Burn the Orphanage, comes from a Sleigh Bells lyric in the song Demons. And so we kept saying that to each other, not realize, like it, it was just sort of a, an exclamation between us, an inside joke exclamation. And, yeah. and then we joked about making it a comic. And then Daniel was like, no, really, what's this comic? And uh, one day I was on a plane and, <laughs> and it came to me, just the, the image of, you know, a hand holding a lighter, some mystery person burning down this orphanage one boy surviving and like then him just fighting his way through the mean streets for revenge and and again everything else is just sort of back to me and Daniel riffing off each other and and Daniel's really funny about it because he you know he whenever he's talking about his other books and his other projects he's always like man nothing's happening for me and I'm like dude burn the orphanage is happening he's like oh but that's that's not work that's fun and um, <laughs> And that's what's been so cool about it is it's just been fun this whole time. It's been a lot of fun and and we've been, you know, it's a lot of hard work. It's not like I'm like, you know, laughing and smiling, drawing double page spreads and, you know, looking up like reference for dudes getting their heads kicked off or whatever. But yeah, I, was, um, I was actually about to reference that when you said double page spreads because that is probably <laughs> one of the coolest, the coolest double page spreads I've ever seen. Seeing a guy get a, doing a jackknife kick 
to a guy who's got his head kicked right off. <laughs> you gotta admit, you probably you were smiling that. a bit while you were drawing that. Well, you gotta thank Guile from Street Fighter for that. That was a, and and, and that was even <laughs> sort of a moment where Daniel had had proved how quintessential he is to this project. Like, I did a whole different version of that double page spread, and it was um a much more static angle, and he was like, "No, dude, no," and and he sent me some Street Fighter art and was like, "Just like." riff off this like you know fans will love it fans will totally vibe like they'll totally catch the reference and um and it was one of those things that I was like no 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 and and then yeah everyone was like I love this I love this oh my god Guile Street Fighter yeah <laughs> yay yay for me too <laughs> but yeah it's been it's been an absolute delight and we both have the training and knowledge to build a sort of beginning-to-end narrative with themes, motifs, subplots. So it's never, it's never frivolous, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't get that impression reading it. I, you know, from what I've seen, it's, uh, it's kind of that whole like love letter to uh, the the beat 'em up genre with a really kind of over the top narrative that in itself has a, a lot of charm to it. It's, uh, it's not like yeah, it's. I think it's one of those things where if you were if you were really, I guess, dour, <laughs> if you didn't really have a sense of joy joy about it when you're reading it, you might not get it. But um, when I was reading, I thought it was it was really clever. But Thank is that you. what you're kind of going for? Yeah. 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 No, I think we were. You know. Yeah, I think. I just wanted a romp. You know, um, the the year before. Burn the Orphanage, and even the year that Burn the Orphanage came out, you know, I was supporting and promoting uh, this book, Not My Bag, which uh, I wrote Andrew, and it's very much in the style of blankets. It's like weird, autobiographical, okay. magical realism kind of story about a dude who works uh, at a department store. So it's, it's just a very bizarre book. I called it Donnie Darko Wears Prada. You know, that's my, like, convention <laughs> sell. Um, and, and, you know, and so promoting that and, and The Little Depressed Boy both, being like very emotional slice of life books, I really wanted just a break and to do something that was adrenaline and, and energetic and and I know I used adrenaline the wrong way but whatever. Um, uh, I, but just something, that, of just it, something I that pumped me up and something yeah something with a different spirit you know. Okay. Um, and that's yeah that's what that is. It's just an exercise in happiness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I I completely can see that. I think it kind of jumps off the page. It's just it's such a frenetic story. It's just nonstop action, in your face ridiculousness, and it's yeah it's it's a cool kind of story. It in some ways it reminded me almost of uh, Scott Pilgrim with sort of less of a it's almost sort of less ironic, you know. Yeah, I mean Scott Pilgrim I think also just changed. Um, changed the scene for for all of that, you know, for yeah. for people who could indulge in in sort of their their eight bit tendencies. Um, he like Brian Lee O'Malley really captured just the essence of that energy so well in that series, and and yeah, I was a huge fan of Scott Pilgrim. The movie was dope too. Yeah. Um, so and, and and I think Scott Pilgrim is also a great example of like. A book that yes, it is action driven, it is retro driven in a lot of respects, but it's its own tale and it has its own style that is neither it's neither manga nor like 
comics with an X, nor like you know mainstream Marvel DC. Like it's a little bit of everything, and yeah. again, that's why that's what made it special. And uh, I would hope you know that that Burn the Orphanage could garner the same kind of appeal because um, I do think we're you know we're trying the same thing, which is like making something that's that's for us, and and hopefully it'll be for a lot of other people as well. Yeah, well, I I can say, you know, speaking as a dude in his, you know, late 20s, that it definitely appeals to a certain generation, because there's, you know, I grew up on playing those video games, and you it has that vibe, and has that sort of, like, uh, pulpy, you know, sort of gritty street tale from, like, a 90s sort of action movie, too. It's, it just hits those marks that, I would say, our generation, you'd, you'd have to have been living under a rock to not get that. Yeah, I think, yeah, thank you. And, it, and I think even with Tumblr, and I guess the other, like, sub-theme of our conversation is because the internet. Um, yeah. But yeah, with, like, with Tumblr and all that stuff, there's this new reverence towards, like, nostalgia and callbacks and inside jokes that just become, it's become much more universalized. And Oh, for sure, yeah. And I'm very lucky to, to be making, a, you know, a comic like that right now. <laughs> Yeah, it's it is the right kind of time, but you know it's it's funny because you know you can do those stories that are you know sort of for you, but if you if you kind of fail to sort of see the 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 big picture of what makes the story appealing, I feel like that can be a real pitfall pitfall, especially of um, sort of more like sort of indie indie producers or like you know indie creators that are haven't necessarily done too much work or really tried to sort of I guess um, court a larger audience if it's too inside if it's too personal I feel like sometimes it just doesn't land you know like it doesn't necessarily reach that audience because they can't really relate to it do you do you find that, that yeah, to mean, be the case or I think that uh, I don't I don't quite know actually that's a that's a good <laughs> question um, and, and yeah, stuff doesn't land. You know what I mean? Jokes don't yeah. land, emotions don't land, beats don't land, and sometimes, you know, throwaway things land harder. You never know. Um, but it's it's sort of like, I don't know that I want to like, I don't know that I want to say anything disparaging about when, you know, someone goes too far into their own isms, because you've got to applaud anyone for taking a risk. Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean... And that's not to say that it's not worth doing either. I mean, whether or not something hits with a larger audience doesn't, you know, that doesn't uh, dictate its its you know success as a piece of art or as as a work. Um, really, only the only thing it dictates is your paycheck, right? Exactly. Well, that yeah, and that's what's funny is, um, you know, it, it, as much as I as much as I love Little Depressed Boy, it 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 doesn't make as much money as you know a Burn the Orphanage type book would. Or me spending a couple months drawing like Adventure Time stuff for Boom would, would right. you know. But at the end of the day, it's like, I don't care. I love it. <laughs> no, yeah, and, and it's a story that, you know, like, it's worth telling and it's, it's satisfying to do. Um, even if it doesn't necessarily find that larger audience, it's still a great story and it still stands well on its, on its own. Or at least, you know, that's my opinion. And I think that's the important thing for, you know, you as a creator, right? Yeah, thank you, and thank you. I know that um, I know that Struble will totally appreciate hearing these compliments, and um, <laughs> and I will I will tease for listeners who are interested. We are we are definitely like 
you know, knee deep in bringing that book back on the shelves. It's just a matter of like making sure it comes out on time and is perfect and that we've, you know, really considered our steps to make sure that it does have the biggest outreach possible. Um, again, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a nice intimate book, but I would like it to, to be, to have a less than intimate following. <laughs> yeah. Well, as, as I feel like any, any creator should, I mean, if you don't, if you don't want to reach more people, then why are you doing, why are you putting it out there in the first place? Right. But, uh, it's, that's awesome. I was actually going to ask about that and that's really cool because I think it is something that can that can resonate with people, if for nothing else, the fact that, I mean, the relatable experiences that, you know, the little depressed boy goes through, or at least I definitely related with them, and it's got that whole, um, I don't want to say hipster sort of edge to it, but it's got that element of, like, you know, um, music culture and sort of that, that mid-20s lifestyle that um, I, it's definitely, there's definitely an audience for that. Yeah, no, it's... Um... Definitely, yeah. I yeah. Is it wrong to say like you love a book you work on? I do. I do really love the book, um, simply for all the great music I get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's. I mean, that's completely valid, and I think that's the ideal situation, right? I mean, if you didn't love the book you were working on, then that'd be a little unfortunate, you know. I mean, ultimately, you gotta do what you gotta do to to you know, pay the bills and everything, but, you know, that's the best situation you can be in is to be working on a book that you love. Yeah. So far, I haven't taken on anything long-term that's made me want to kill myself. You know, there are always, <laughs> if you're freelancing, there's always gigs that don't uh, shake out, shake up, whatever, that don't turn out the the way you had anticipated, you know. Um, it, it's like cooking, you know. Sometimes when you add a new chef or you add a new ingredient, the meal turns out gross. And, um, mm -hmm. and I've been lucky enough that in, in all of my larger entrees, they have been, um, I have been a, a very satisfied customer. It sounds like, <laughs> it sounds like I'm the chef and I'm the customer, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a bizarre bad. metaphor, but yeah. I, I admire how well you've committed to it. Cause I'm, it... In, I'm in artist mode today. Leave me alone. <laughs> I can't think with words. <laughs> That's not, I get what you were saying though. I mean, like, you know, it's, it's good to have that, you know, it, it, it's like you said, you know, the slightest change can really put something off and, you know, you, it's a really lucky thing to be able to stick with something that's working and, and enjoy what you're doing. Yeah. Image comics for the win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's definitely the, the creator owned sort of publisher of choice, um, which uh, I'm actually kind of curious about that. I mean, you, as far as I know, and, and maybe I'm just wrong and I didn't do my homework, you've really mostly just, your work has been creator-owned comics. Um, have you done any stuff for um, bigger publishers that, like, on contract or anything like that? Is that something you would want to do? Uh, sure. I, yeah, and, and not, you haven't not done your research or whatever to use the double negative. Um, <laughs> it's mainly, like, my forays into larger publishers has been like again adventure time regular show which is more cartoon stuff mm -hmm. and i've done some i did a variant cover for an army of darkness issue the the new steve niles one um, well that's awesome <laughs> yeah it was it was really dope and um and, and you know like yeah one of these days i'd love to draw batman one of these days i would love to do something x many i think right now i don't really want to because if I did it would look not my best 
I think there's like, you know, I'm still growing and and I feel like if I'm ever going to like touch Batman, I want it to be like, you know, I'm I'm to a level of like I get to be in Batman black and white kind of contribution, um, <laughs> which is it's a lofty dream, but that is that is my dream. I'm allowed to say it like I'm allowed of to course. wish to be better than I am. Um, so sure, down the line, maybe one day I would love to. But right now, I don't think I've found I don't think I found a voice or a style that would lend itself to telling a memorable story for for any of those characters. Um and, and it's just because I love them so much. Like, I love Spider-Man, and I think Batman is super cool. <laughs> um, I love Catwoman, you know. So it's, yeah, again, it's like, I don't want to do it until I'm, like, you know, as good as Scott Snyder or something. You know, I just don't want to, like, I don't want to get my uh, sea legs on Batman. <laughs> and I don't, think, I don't think DC would want me doing that either. So I'm happy to, I'm happy to stay away from them for a long time yet. That's true. Um, on the flip side, though, sometimes you have guys that are maybe a little bit more untested, sort of getting their sea legs, so to speak, on a lesser character that end up turning out like an amazing story that really changes what people think of that character, right? I mean, like, um, one that comes to mind is like, I don't know if you've read uh, Jeff Lemire's Animal Man, but like, Jeff Lemire is by no means a, you know, novice writer anyway, but like, man, he didn't really do much superhero or like mainstream comics, and then they gave him Animal Man and that that was a phenomenal story yeah and that would be tons of fun too like i wouldn't yeah. you know that would be really cool if marvel came up to me and was like jubilee's not so depressing go make her more fun <laughs> <laughs> you know and to like and to like run off with a character and and you know get into their head in, in a different way and in a fun way and with fewer um expectations from audiences that would be super cool um, yeah. And I and I love I love that you know Jeff Lemire has found a space for himself uh, straddling between sort of like quote unquote Indian mainstream. He's like this like awesome bridge um, yeah. of hope. You know I love him. And <laughs> yeah, he's he's I feel like um, he's the the thing that any any kind of indie writer or illustrator aspires to, and that he's so weird and different and like. His, his style is so distinctly his own, and yet he still manages to find a way to be on the fringe of the mainstream still. Yeah, and I, I just love that. I love that so much. Yeah. It gives me, kind of gives me hope for myself <laughs> <laughs> that I can, yeah. I can find my own space too. But yeah, I would, yeah, something like that would be cool. Um, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head yeah. besides like Jubilee or Dazzler. Both of <laughs> Both of those characters, though, right now kind of suck. Like, yeah. isn't Dazzler's in Jubilee Shield went... and Jubilee's like a recovering vampire <laughs> yeah how, which like i don't know how that works it's it's not like being like a drug addict i thought that once you're a vampire you just are but i don't know man they they definitely mix they mess with that character in a weird way um which so that's actually a really good point that would be a great character to really breathe new life into um but i'm curious because i mean you're in a you're one of those sorts of uh creators where you're a writer and an illustrator would you want to like write in, in one of those sorts of things or would you want to actually illustrate either or it depends i don't know yeah you know there's i'm privately secretly playing around with stepping away from art you know art duties on on a project and, and seeing if i can write something that someone else can draw um mm. and that's been a fun experience so far we'll see we'll see how it shakes out in coming months i can't say much else um but yeah, yeah, that would be, like, writing and drawing would be cool. Um, 
you know, if, if it turns out I come up with something that I know I can't draw, like, uh, you know, Wolverine fights 10,000 ninjas and it, it's in a, it's in a, you know, freaking jungle or something. I don't know. Stuff I don't, or no, it's in a, it's in a gigantic transformer robot. I hate drawing robots. Um, you know, and he uses cars to fight them. Like he hits them with cars, like automobiles. <laughs> then I would say someone else, please draw this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just everything you don't want to do. It's like, yeah, I'll, I'll write it, else. but yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'll write the shit out of it, but yeah. it's on someone else to draw. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, that's a, that's a, I won't know till, till it's presented in front of me, but, uh, you know, while we're talking about it. Yeah, it sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I just wasn't sure because, um, you know, I, I wasn't really sure what your sort of influences were in terms of like, uh, you know, the kind of stuff that made you want to get into the industry and comics and stuff like that. I mean, clearly you, you're well versed. If you worked in a comic shop, you ended up getting a job at, at comic publishers and stuff. You must have a real passion for, for comics. Yeah. And, and it's funny. I've been thinking a lot. I have to find it. I've been thinking a lot about, um, this is a really old comic and, and, and super awesome if you can find it. Jim Mafu did a Generation X one-shot that came out like, again, this must be like 12 or 14 years ago. Um, it was a long time. That book was so tight. Marvel printed it, like cardstock cover, like nice, like kind of like newsprinty, but like thicker paper on the inside. And, and it was just such a weird, fun... Um, one shot that they never really did more of. Like I, I love what, that they let yeah. Jim Mafu do that, and I would hope that I could kind of go over there and, and do stuff like that. You know what I mean? That that would be my that would be my yeah, ideal that's... life is to kind of take on projects and and create these like special little book objects um, for readers to just dive into. And with uh, self obsessed, this one shot that's coming out in April, um, and that's a bunch of my like autobio uh, blogs that I've deleted from the internet and, and just like <laughs> sketches and musings and material that people haven't seen really. Um, I've been trying to format it and design it in a way that it feels much more like you're getting this like zine in the mail. I mean, you're still reading comic books and you're still, you know, adding something to your library in that regard, but it's also, you know, sort of textured in the, in the sense of like, opening it up and feeling it and, and, and looking at how some of the, the spreads won't just be comic book pages, but they may like be, I don't know, maybe they'll be like a little collage work in a cool way. I know collage work sounds stupid, um, <laughs> but have, no, faith, no. have faith. But, I don't know. Yeah. yeah just playing that's around cool. with that. Yeah. I mean, I think that um, it's a medium that could use, uh, you know, some experimentation, not that it doesn't, but uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, the, the standard narrative or whatever. So, I mean, this is like comics in general. It's, it's such a profoundly interesting sort of way to tell a story. It's such an interesting medium that, yeah, I mean, you can, you could format something like it's, you know, a, a magazine page to suit the, you know, like the story you're telling or the feeling you want to do, or you can totally switch it up and, you know, have it like a, like an illustrated, uh, page of a book or like, you know, there's so many ways that you can go about sort of bring the information to the reader. Um, so that's cool. I mean, is that going to be like sort of an, a narrative, the self-obsessed girl then, or is it going to be more like a, a collection or an anthology? Uh, so self-obsessed will be, it's a 40 page book, three ninety nine from image comics and <laughs> it'll have, um, 
it'll have a lot of like one to two page short stories, a um, couple of like fun artifacts I found, you know, in my sketchbooks through the years. Like, I, I believe, I believe I have it. So the first page when you open it is going to be my fifth grade student photo, uh, where the teachers ask, you know, they're like, okay, now write what your dream job is. And and when I was ten. I wrote that I wanted to be a comic book illustrator. So, like, that sets the tone. That's awesome. And, and yeah, and then from there, there's going to be, like, some of my first comic book strips that I did um, when I was in high school. And these are all the ones that are about me. It's not just, like, oh, hey, yeah, I drew this comic for this guy once upon a time. Like, it'll all um, kind of go back into this character I've made of myself who is very reflective and very neurotic and humorous i hope so it should be <laughs> it should be a mix of things um that that should never be preachy i hope <laughs> well, that must be such a like a difficult thing to to decide to do then because i mean it sounds like it's it's a super personal story it's like a very um like it's it's relating very closely to your own life was that was that a tough decision for you to make to decide to put something together and make it a product and put it out there or was it like, nah, this is something I want to I wanted tell, this is a story, like, you know, these are things I want people to know? I have put so much of my personality and, and whatnot out there that um, I think at this point I have the tools to, like, protect myself and not, not overshare and not, um, and not leave myself vulnerable for, for any regret. Um, you know, and, and I think there's always something to be learned from from being brave and, and from, you know, telling stuff that makes you personally uncomfortable. And there'll be a little bit of that, you know. There'll also be just sort of, like, silly musings about, um, like, there's, there's a strip called Fox Paws, which is how my friend pronounces faux paws. And it's just about, <laughs> like, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, like, never wear your dinner jacket while you're sitting down because then it gets all wrinkled. Um, you know, this and that and this stuff like that. So it, it's yeah. it's it's tongue in cheek when it wants to be, but yeah, there is like there is some stuff in there that is about you know some exes that didn't end very well, and and it's and it's me meditating on it, and that's also part of my process. Is like if you're important in my life, it means I'm gonna probably write about you. Um, but at this point, I have learned how to hope. I, I hope is also the word of this. Uh, of this <laughs> talk. Um, Hope and Ed Brisson. Yeah, oh, Ed, my best friend, Ed Brisson. Um, yeah, my desire is that, like, you get something out of it without feeling like you saw too much about me. You know, there was, the other day I was thinking about just, like, drawing, adding a page of, like, all my insecurities being like, oh, I'm really, really stressed out about, like, my receding gum line or something like that. <laughs> and I just thought, why? Like, why... You know, I always, like, yeah, I got to check myself before I wreck myself. So everything <laughs> should be building in that book. Um, everything's going to be building to comic books and this weirdo who, you know, readers and retailers have decided to commit themselves to. So it, it should be a treat when it's done. That actually sounds fantastic. I, I can't wait to check it out. Um, and I'm, I'm curious... Like, is that something where you might see yourself leading to a bigger story? Because one thing that that totally draws to mind is um, the the work from uh, the Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba, the twins. Because like, they've done a lot of 
sort of personal stories they've done like details and um oh day tripper um where you can tell that there's a lot of their own personal life influencing those i don't know if you're familiar are you yeah, 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 yeah. I love oh, those okay. guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I that's actually, actually how I discovered them was in, like, one of their zines. And then, like, I showed it to a friend, and they're like, oh, yeah, like, those dudes are blah, 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 blah. What is it, like, Umbrella Academy that put them on the map? That's right. Like, yeah, yeah like, they did with, um, yeah, Gerard Way from uh, My Chemical Romance or whatever, yeah. Yeah, and so, um, I don't know. I might, you know, it's, I'm never going to be done telling those kinds of stories, and Originally, they were, you know, things are, would be packaged to be uh, in line with Not My Bag, which, you know, is about the same person, me, loosely right. autobiographical. Yeah. But, I, you know, a friend once told me, you've got to trust whatever your process is. And, and my process is to, you know, kind of do it however it comes out and figure out the packaging later. So um, if I'm, you know, if it does well, am I going to do something called, like, Self-Involved, the sequel to Self-Obsessed? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I might, you know, we'll see. We'll see how you're people... writing that down right now, aren't you? You're like, that's self-involved. Perfect. I, well, and that's the other thing is like, I might be getting over myself. You know, like I'm kind of getting <laughs> sick of talking about me, and in the regard, in in the sense that like, what is it doing for other people? You know, um, why why is this? Why should I commodify, you know, these stories past the packages I've already prepped? Um, so we'll see, you know, I, if people like it, I, I can just keep on talking about myself. No problems. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's not usually an, an issue for, for most creators. Well, I mean, depending, but I mean, you, you always come from a personal place when you, when you tell stories, whether it's like something completely fa- fantastical, you know, or, or something that's, you know, very, you know, slice of life or intimate. I mean, every, everything, you know, as a writer especially, you know, you're always drawing from personal experience. You're always drawing from your perspective of the world. And, you know, why not go to a personal place when you're telling stories if you can make it interesting, if you can tell that story in a way that, you know, um, is, is sort of worth telling, for lack of a better way to say it. Uh, so I guess that's, like you said, it depends on what the, what the feedback's like or how the story gets sort of, uh, how people respond to it. If it's, if it's a good readable story why not oh. still there yeah yeah i'm sorry about that this That's is okay. like i feel like this question is like the computer does not like this question <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's more of a statement anyhow so it doesn't even really matter <laughs> okay perfect so, but yeah, yeah um no i mean i like i i kind of hope that you um that you would tell more stories because it's you know you can do some really great stuff it's actually kind of funny because when um, you know talking about details and uh, like Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba, your art style actually reminds me a lot of Fabio Moon. Shut up! That's like a gigantic compliment. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, seriously, especially because I mean, it's sort of walking that fine line between like being kind of geometric and angular, but also having a like a very graphic and and strong style to it. I I that's one of the like sort of the first things that jumped out at me in terms of visually. Uh, especially in Burn the Orphanage, because I feel like it's um, it's a much more uh, I, I want to say graphic book than compared to Little Depressed Boy. Um, but I don't know, like, w- what was your experience with that? Yeah, it's certainly more pop. I mean, you know, it's funny. It's funny, like I, you know, the reference you use and the stuff you're looking at greatly affects the project you're working on. And when I'm working on Little Depressed Boy, there's a lot more, like 
Craig Thompson, Adrian Tomina, um, Bob Fingerman yeah. kind of stuff. Same with Self Obsessed and and Not My Bag. When when it's slice of life, I I go for um, the era of of like indie books I was in love with, and you know, and and even with Self Obsessed, I'm I'm like thinking about like Anders Nielsen and just all these really cool people who have taken the form and, and done what they can do with it. And then with Burn the Orphanage, I'm going in a completely different direction where it's like, you know, I'm picking up like every Stuart Eminem book and, you know, <laughs> revisiting like old Chris Pachalo, like, you know, looking at Paul Pope, Sean Murphy, Raphael Albuquerque. Um, and then on top of that, looking at also the indie stuff too. And, and, and yeah, bridging it all. And then like, yeah, checking out like, I've been reading, I've been revisiting Death Note, that sick manga series. and Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, it's, you know, it, I'm definitely trying to have a different conversation than, than with the Slice of Life stuff. And, and to be told that it, it looks good and it looks like a, a Gabriel Ba or Fabio Moon, which one? That, I, was saying, I was saying Fabio, actually. Okay, there we go, yeah. To say yeah. that shit makes me happy <laughs> <laughs> well i mean that's that's really ambitious too um you know to actually to really pursue you know variations on your style based on the the content that you're actually you know working with um and you know like the i guess the genre if you could say um you know of the story um because you know i i think uh you know that's something that you see guys do that when they're when they've been doing it for a long time and everything and uh you know when you're when you're kind of in your initial stage it's really more just trying to find a a style in and of itself like you know you know something that's distinctly just your your style right so that's i mean that's a that's a tough thing to do do you find it sort of schizophrenic or do you do you find that you you handle it pretty well uh yeah i i think i don't i don't find it daunting in the sense that it's sort of you just they're different parts of my brain almost or different parts of my wrist um and if ever I'm like, oh my god, I can't draw dudes punching dudes anymore, you know, I switch over to like a little depressed boy page where it's, you know, really attractive woman talking to this lumpy guy. <laughs> <laughs> Which is that's exa- that's probably the best way I've ever heard that book described because that's exactly it. I yeah, he's got the most gorgeous women like drawn in that book, and then yeah, just a little lumpy sack boy. I know. Well, yeah, someone's like, how does he get so many dates? And I'm like, oh, you know, there's just the market's prime for lumps right now um <laughs> but it, it you know that that's the thing is i just you know i'll take a break and switch um and it doesn't feel schizophrenic it feels kind of like i'm building towards this like larger meta style and and i try not to um i try not to say i have a style yet just because when you think about a lot of really good emerging talents like they can get stagnant if uh Mm. if the style outweighs technique and outweighs growth um when when people are like well this is my style so i can't grow past it you know if you if you think about humberto ramos like there's so many evolutions he would have missed had he said like i am this style from impulse in the 90s um (laughs) but then you look at guys like todd knock who kind of came out the womb with a really defined and and you know visually pleasing style so for sure i'm 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 still figuring it out i i'm i'm somewhere in between well that's i mean that's something that's a sentiment i can definitely agree with especially you know having a a, at least a minor 
background in, in studying art is that, you know, you don't do yourself any favors by, you know, excusing um, problems with your work or, or anything like that by, by, you know, pinning it on style. Um, you know, you always want to evolve and you always want your work to grow. And, you know, in, in that, your style will change, right? Yeah, yeah. I always say, like, you know, you have to admit that you're always a student. You're always learning. If you don't do that, that's the yeah. minute you're done. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's it. That's why I actually I kind of find, thought it was funny when you were saying that, you know, you didn't you don't feel like you're you're necessarily ready to work on a book like Batman or Spider-Man because um, I mean, well, like from from my perspective, you you're a very po- polished illustrator and uh, like a really strong writer. I mean, um, like you know, to me, you'd be completely fine in, you know, in that sort of arena, but, uh, it's always, you know, it's always a personal thing, right? And at a certain point, I imagine you kind of have to say, okay, I'm, I'm good enough that I'm ready to do these things, but I'm not like, but you know that you're always going to keep getting, you know, improving. Yeah. And 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 even just with Batman, it's like, I read this interview with Billy Tan and, like the Top Cow magazine, a couple. This was like again. Let's just talk about stuff that happened only ten years ago. I don't give a shit about what's going on right now. Um, <laughs> wait, hold on. Let me. Yeah, I don't give a shit about like Kelly Sue DeConnick and Rick Remender and you know I don't. I, who are these names to me? Um, but yeah, I remember Billy Tan. There was a question like, oh, what advice do you have for aspiring artists? And he's like, okay, you need to learn how to draw cars, perspective, emotion, shadow, light, yada yada galaxies this that this that and, he, and the list was literally like 500 things and then he was like he was like you just need to know how to draw everything and um yeah with a guy like batman you have to know how to draw um you know you have to understand shadow real well and you also have yeah. to know how to draw like a ton of buildings and you know a book like batman is monthly so you have to know how to draw them fast and that's yeah. and that's how i know i'm not ready <laughs> you know like <laughs> when i get to a place that i can do like three-point perspective of a character like flying over a cityscape then i'll be like all right i can handle batman (laughs) (laughs) well i guess that's uh i mean that's that's a good point and i've noticed like i found in in burn the orphanage you definitely seem to be challenging yourself i mean i definitely like there are some shots there where the perspective is so dramatic and everything that i mean that must have been you know that must have been like well i don't want to say daunting but it must have been a challenge for you because i think any any illustrator would find some of that stuff tough to tough to draw yeah, every single issue of the book has been, like, me being, like, oh, I'm so excited, but, oh, I don't want to draw this at all. And, um, <laughs> the, you know, the second issue, when Daniel and I were talking about it being, like, Mortal Kombat, I was, like, oh, I'm so excited to draw really cool fighters, but, fuck, like, my sets have to have to be completely different than, you know, your Streets of Rage cityscape. Yeah. Like, you know, I can't just draw everything to look like 1980s Chicago anymore. Um <laughs> And, and, you know, I, I got around it, and, and, I, and I figured out how to make it work for me. Um, unfortunately, I wanted things to be richer, but that didn't happen because of time constraints. And, and with this yeah. third one, Rock is in just, like, a whole new world. He's in another place entirely. Um, and, and, again, that was, like, I just dreaded drawing it. And then when it came down to, you know, calling research and, and, and looking up reference... I, I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. Like, I'm going to have fun. And, and it becomes a, an exciting challenge. And the f- the final fight scene in, in Burn the Orphanage 3 is super dope. Um, and, and Daniel said it was some of my best stuff ever. I still think it's garbage, but 
that's how I always feel. So <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that's that's how many artists feel, even when they're doing their best stuff. But I'm sure it is fantastic, and that's coming out soon, right? It's not out yet. Issue three. first Wednesday of March. Yeah, so in about okay. what is that? Two weeks. Okay, that should um, by the time this goes up, that should actually be exactly when it's uh, going up. So, you know, anyone listening to this right now, you should be picking up that book because it's undoubtedly amazing. And if you haven't been reading Burn the Orphanage thus far, then you owe it your, to yourself to check it out. But yeah, um, that's, I mean, that sounds super cool. Uh, I didn't even realize that there was that sort of, that trajectory of sort of paying homage to those different um, sort of fighting games from that era and stuff. Um, but I think you were, I think I saw that you have another or, uh, sorry, story arc coming up, um, for Burn the Orphanage as well after that. As well. Yeah. And in, in May, when the trade paperback comes out for volume one, uh, we'll be releasing a volume two, a reign of terror. And that's, uh, that's going to be five issues monthly from image comics. And, uh, basically what happens is the hero of the series rock orphan, little orphan rock. Right. He, he comes back home after his odyssey and his city is an absolute ruin. Um, I can't say why. You'll find out. <laughs> but it's great because, yeah, he comes home and it's a little bit of like a post-apocalyptic survivor almost, you know. Oh, that's uh, awesome. His friends are like, you know, this ragtag rebellion at this point trying to survive. And it's, it's it, it, and, and it goes back to, you know, not just the video games we love, but even some of the movies like, Daniel and I were watching Big Trouble in Little China and uh, RoboCop, the first one, the original one, <laughs> and and just sort of asking ourselves what we loved about it, and then applying the things we loved to the story, not actual plot lines or anything, but just emotions. Like why why like why does this bullshit get us off so much? So, <laughs> um, so May, Burn the Orphanage, Reign of Terror, number one. Um, if we're gonna talk about dope Canadians, Andy Belanger did. Uh, a second cover for that book and it is oh that's awesome yeah it is so tight and that's on the internet right now like I think yeah actually now that I think about it I, I saw he posted that on Facebook and yeah Andy's such a great illustrator and also a super super guy so that's really cool that he's actually uh, he did a cover for you guys he loves doing covers too oh yeah and he's good at it so 2014 oh, yeah. is going to be his year um, I mean it won't be as big as Ed Brisson's 2014 but <laughs> it'll be pretty big for, for Andy nonetheless yeah but um that's that's super cool um well we're kind of running out of time so we'll i'll just wrap it up here um in terms of anyone listening here that wants to to check out your stuff uh what uh what would you like to sort of plug in terms of um i guess contact type yeah. info or well, if anyone websites? listening yeah if anyone listening likes what they heard thank you very much first and just myname.com, uh, that's a That's a great way to find all the different projects I have my hands in right now. And um, yeah, Image Comics, Burn the Orphanage, Little Depressed Boy, Raise the Roof. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? <laughs> <laughs> All right, and, cool. and that's how. And now we're gonna have a comic called Raise the Roof. That's how it's. Yes. Yeah, that's there you go. That's that's the next one. All right, so that was the podcast with Cena. Uh, as you can tell, super great guy. A uh, lot of fun talking to him. Um, yeah, I, I think it was it 
turned out pretty well. I hope you guys liked it. It was definitely a weird experience doing uh, it over Skype, though, because there's that sort of, there's that sense of, like, it's really tough. Uh, you don't want to step on the other person as they're talking because, you know, there's that kind of a delay. So, you know, I apologize if it was a little bit of a different flow than usual. Um, you know, I did the best I could. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's just, it was awesome talking to him. And, man, what a, what a really cool guy and what a knowledgeable guy about comics and uh, I thought he had some really cool ins insights to share. Anyway, um, you can find his, him at cenagrace.com, uh, super, super easy. Uh, and, you know, if you want to find him on Twitter and all that, he's, he's out there. It's not hard to find. Uh, you know, use the internet, people. Come on. Uh, but, yeah, like I said about uh, the contest at the beginning, um, make sure to get on the Facebook page, share the Facebook page, spread the word, guys. I really want to get people uh, listening to this because uh, not so much even for myself, but because, uh, you know, there are some really great guests uh, and I really think that uh, people should get a chance to hear what they have to say. So, you know, if you like the podcast, tell your friends, you know, tell your parents, tell the police, you know, maybe they'll find it interesting. Um, I don't think there's anything criminal about it, but... You know, uh, I'm sure they need something to listen to in squad cars and stuff. Whatever, man. I'm I'm totally off the rails here. Uh, so, yeah, spread the word if you if you do like the podcast. Reach out if you have anything you want to say. I'm always looking for you know feedback, comments, uh, you know questions, uh, suggestions, all that. And yeah, so check us back in two weeks where I will have Brock Pickin. Um, a little bit different again because it's going to be a sports writer. Um, but hopefully I don't lose you guys with that. I know it's a little bit different from the, the norm that we have. But uh, he's a super cool guy. He's got a he's got a Kickstarter or like an Indiegogo campaign going right now. And we're going to talk about the book he's writing. Alright, so have a great couple of weeks. And we will see you back here on Geekion.